The first gift of today is the word of wisdom. In the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 8, it says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. The word of wisdom is an ability given by the Holy Spirit to understand and apply God's wisdom, insight, and understanding to people, situations, and circumstances. But this is not just simply human wisdom or intelligence, but it's divine insight and understanding that comes from God. We know there's a wisdom in the world, and so it's an important distinction that this is not just a wise person. This is not just somebody who has experienced a lot, but this is a miraculous gift given to people of God to have divine insight and understanding into practical and complex situations. Okay, so this is a supernatural gift given. Those who have the gift of the word of wisdom are often able to discern the will of God in various situations and offer guidance and counsel to others that is not obvious to the regular person. They speak with wisdom and clarity and provide practical and insightful advice that aligns with God's Word and God's purposes. The gift is often used in helping make wise decisions, solving complex problems, and offering spiritual and practical ways through difficult situations or circumstances. You ever find yourself potentially when there's a complex situation, you're like, I'm going to figure this out. Anybody like that? You're just like, man, I love problem solving. I, I want to help people make wise decisions. I once said to a couple of young people, I, and it made me feel a little bit old, but I was like, if you just listened to what I said, you would have avoided a whole lot of problems. If you had just listened. And so this gift of wisdom is a problem-solving divine gift that helps people avoid other problems or potential problems. My dad always says, if people just use a little bit more wisdom, they'd need a lot less miracles. Which I like, but I also like miracles. So I'd just make bad decisions and let's let God turn up and fix some problems for you. Come on, somebody. Anybody ever made a lot of mistakes in their life? I'm sadly one of those people that needs to learn by doing. Anybody else like that? It's like, you know, I know what you're saying. I'm just going to try this for a second. And then you end up in hot water and you realize that you shouldn't sit in a boiling bath. A great example from the Bible of the gift of wisdom being used is in the book of Genesis chapter four, uh, 41, verse 14. We're not going to read through it because it's a long story. But it's the story of Joseph utilizing the gift of wisdom uh, in, the, in the story where we see he interprets Pharaoh's dreams. Pharaoh has two troubling dreams um, that none of his wise men or magicians of the day could solve or, or interpret. But Joseph 
um, who was in prison at the time from Pharaoh, was brought before Pharaoh because he had a reputation of interpreting dreams. And so what happens is Pharaoh says, hey, this is the dream that I have and it sounds problematic. And Joseph, by the gift of wisdom, is able to understand the dreams. Through his divine revelation or wisdom, Joseph correctly interprets Pharaoh's dreams as a prophecy that there would be seven years of abundance in the land, followed by seven years of famine. He then advises Pharaoh to appoint a wise and discerning man, the Bible says, to oversee the collection and distribution of food during the years of plenty in order to prepare for the upcoming years of famine. So what Joseph does with divine wisdom is he takes a complex dream and situation that the king of the area, Pharaoh, couldn't understand. He has divine insight and understanding to what the problem is, namely being there's going to be seven years of abundance and then seven years of famine. But he doesn't just understand the dream. He helps Pharaoh apply practical application and wisdom to the situation in order that the land would flourish in the seven years of famine. It's, it's the age-old thing, store up in the season of harvest for when it's winter time. Because what people do is we see seasons of plenty and we just live and we spend and we use everything. And then when the hard years come, you're in strife. And this is what this dream was about for the land. But Joseph was able to understand the dream and say, hey, Pharaoh, this is what it's saying but don't be afraid. There's practical application that he gives to the king about how to prepare for this complex season of uh, famine that was coming. And so what happens is Joseph applied strategy to overcome what had been revealed by the wisdom of God. Because the word of wisdom is not just in understanding information or situations, but it's figuring out how to outwork in application to resolve the problem. Amen? And what happened is because of Joseph's gift of wisdom that he helped Pharaoh with, he was then removed from prison and made second in charge of all of Egypt. This display of wisdom that Joseph showed gave him influence over an entire nation and he became a trusted advisor to Pharaoh. The gift of wisdom is often found in people in strategic and leadership positions to help make wise decisions. That's why it's important to surround yourself with wise people. Surround yourself with people that can help you see clearly into complex situations or circumstances. Now, Sometimes with the gift of wisdom, there can be some warning situations that as we function in the gift of wisdom, if we let it go to our head, we can start functioning in what we would call the wisdom of the world. The Bible teaches us there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is destruction. 
The Bible says that God's ways are better than our ways. And so if you are functioning in the gift of wisdom or you find yourself to be wise, remember to not fall in the trap of the wisdom of the world, the way that seems right to a man, but rather remember to inquire of the Lord what's His wisdom in this circumstance because the wisdom of God, the supernatural wisdom of God, does not always make sense to the human mind. Amen? So we need to be careful that wisdom doesn't go to our heads. Romans chapter 1, verse 21, it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, excuse me, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Also, the person with the gift of wisdom can quickly become hypocritical. We get the wisdom from God and we tell people what to do, but we don't apply the same wisdom in our own personal lives. The book of James chapter 1, verse 22 says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So if you're functioning in a gift of wisdom from God and you're telling people the wisdom of heaven yet not applying it to your own life, then you become what we call a hypocrite. And what happens is you make that gift on your life useless because the words that come out of your mouth don't match the actions of your life and your actions speak louder than words. And so in doing so, we rob people of the gift that God's given you because you don't listen to your own advice. Amen? couple of questions to see if this is maybe a gift that's in your life is number one you can ask do I often find myself providing insightful or wise advice or guidance to others or are you naturally inclined to seek understanding and insight into complex or challenging situations do you feel a strong sense of conviction or confidence when sharing insights perspectives and strategy that align with the biblical truth or biblical wisdom? And do others recognize and value the wisdom and guidance that you provide? And some of these questions we've been working through in our life groups on the spiritual gifts test that we've created. And these questions, although man-made, help us get some kind of understanding to what do I naturally function in these kind of ways, which help us give a little bit of clarity to the potential gifts on our lives. So maybe you have the gift of wisdom. Maybe as I've been talking, you're starting to think, yeah, maybe I do have the gift of wisdom. Well, we're looking forward to praying with you and believing with you on November 26 for that gift to be stirred up on the inside of your life so you can function to build up the body of Christ to serve the body around you. Amen. The second one today is the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, again, it says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Now, the spiritual gift of the word of knowledge is the supernatural ability given, to, uh, given by the Holy Spirit to provide individuals with specific information, or knowledge about situations, circumstances, or facts that surpass natural comprehension. 
Now, I believe both of these gifts, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge, function heavily under the overarching banner of what we would call the prophetic because they're heavenly insights into earthly situations. And so the word of knowledge is the supernatural ability to know something about someone, something that you would not know in and of yourself. That it's not something that you already know, but it's something that out of nowhere you seem to know. So the word of knowledge is distinct from general knowledge or intellectual understanding. It's a revelation from God that surpasses our natural comprehension and can pertain to various aspects of life, including spiritual matters, personal situations, or sometimes future events. Now, it's important to understand this about the word of knowledge, that it's given, like most of the spiritual gifts, in fact, all of them, for the purpose of encouragement and edification, instruction, or sometimes unlocking somebody's hardened heart to help bring breakthrough into an area where they might be locked up. A cool example of this is I, a couple years ago, we were in a meeting in South Africa, and I was praying for a young lady, and she wanted prayer for something that was wrong with her hearing. And I was praying with her, and the moment I began praying with her, her jaw began to clench, and she began to grit her teeth in an aggressive way. And what that was immediate insight for us was that this was more than just a physical hearing problem, but that there was a spiritual affliction that some demonic attack was on her life and had her hearing all bound up. And I'm praying with her and believing God with her. And we weren't seeing breakthrough. We could see something was happening, but we weren't seeing breakthrough. A friend of mine who functions powerfully in this gift of word of knowledge walked up and immediately God gave him the information. And he said to her, hey, I understand that through your past relationship, there was some form of abuse that happened to you from your partner and you're holding on to this stuff and it's ruining your life. The moment he said it, the ear completely unblocked and she was completely healed. So what happened is she had something in her heart she was holding on to. Her heart had hardened and through a divine information from heaven gave my friend this information and the moment he said it, she realized the truth let it go, and that thing had nothing left to hold on to, and she was healed. That's an area where that information can unlock a heart to receive breakthrough or healing or transformation. The information from a word of knowledge can be received in a multitude of different ways, and it's, you must be super careful not to box in the way that God's going to speak to individuals. But some of those ways can be through dreams, visions, a sudden sense of knowing. Or sometimes people feel pain in their body that leads to a knowing of somebody else's problems. This kind of thing has you, you've seen before. I, I mean, you may have seen before, but I remember I was in Australia and I was going to the bathroom and not going to the bathroom, walking to the bathroom, just to help your visual, okay? I was on my way to the restroom and my ear began to ring. 
This is like a situation, I think it's called tinnitus. Is that what it's called? The ringing of the ears. And my ear out of nowhere began to ring. And I thought to myself for a minute, oh no, what's happening? But then I realized I don't have ringing in my ears. And because I was aware of this gift, because I'm aware of the spiritual things, I thought to myself, maybe this isn't my problem. Maybe I'm getting a word of knowledge or information about somebody else's problem. And so I left the restroom. I was walking back to the theater. And as I was walking through where they take your ticket, right there, I knew immediately that that ringing in the ear was for that person standing at the ticket booth. And so I just took a moment. I said, hey, man, I'm sorry. I just want to ask a quick question. Do you, for whatever reason, have like ringing in your ear, like a tinnitus or something like that? And he just goes, how did you know that? Well, the answer is very difficult to tell a non-believer. Well, a divine being in heaven actually told me all about this. But truthfully, that's the answer. And I remember clearly I said, hey, truth is, I believe God speaks to me. And he just showed me this about you. I said, would you just mind if I prayed with you really quickly that that ringing would leave? And he's like, all right. So I took him by the hand and it's important. You don't have to be weird in public. You can if you want, but you don't have to. So you can take him by the hand and you can start praying in tongues and shaking and doing all sorts of funny stuff. Or you can be a regular human being and just say, hey, can I shake your hand? Took him by the hand. I just looked him in the eyes and I said, in the name of Jesus, thank you for healing this man's ear. Didn't make him uncomfortable. Didn't have to pretend to be super spiritual. Just was able to take authority over what God had shown me. And in that moment, right there, the ringing in his ear stopped. This is the gift of the word of knowledge. You can happen in different environments and situations, but this is somehow we can see that God speaks to us in different ways. People see things in different kinds of ways, but what it is is supernatural information given to people by God, by the Spirit, to help encourage people, to help love people, to help show people that God cares about them, and potentially unlock their hearts to see breakthrough and healing in specific areas. Amen? In the Bible, Jesus walks up to a lady at a well. It's the famous story of the woman at the well. And he sits down and they start having a conversation. And Jesus begins to function in the, the word of knowledge. He begins to receive information. Now, I know he's Jesus. You're like, so what? It's Jesus. Is it like, he can do anything. It's true. Still a great example. And Jesus is sitting there. And he begins to reveal to her information that he would never know that she knows by telling her, hey, you've, have five, you've had five husbands and the man you're currently living with is not your husband. And through this word of knowledge or supernatural information, it unlocked a hardened woman's heart. And she says, I perceive that you're a prophet. And he was able to minister to her the love of God she went back to her town to tell everybody, say, come and see a man that knew everything about me that he couldn't have known. And what happened is this woman who was opposed to Jesus, his heart was softened because of a word of knowledge or information about stuff that human beings couldn't have known, that he couldn't have known without divine revelation that set her up for her destiny to be transformed. Amen. 
Well, there's another story in the book of Acts, a man named Ananias. The apostle Paul was, we all know, was the, the original ISIS. He was the Christian killer. His job was to seek and arrest Christians, kill Christians if necessary. And he was walking on the famous road to Damascus where he encountered a light, which was the Lord Jesus, knocked him to the ground, blinded his eyes, and God said, I'm calling you for my plan and my purpose. And he said, go to this town and you're going to meet somebody who's going to help you. On the other side of the story, there's a man named Ananias, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, and God gives him a dream, gives him a vision. And he says, hey, Ananias, I want you to go to this specific place. There's going to be a man there. His name is Saul. And I want you to pray for him that his eyes would be opened. So Ananias receives this information about a man who's going to be somewhere with a problem that needs divine intervention. And Ananias says to the Lord, hey, I've heard about this guy. He kills people like me. But so confident in the information that God had given him, he says, okay, I'm going to go. Because Jesus in this vision tells him, I'm calling Paul to suffer for my namesake. And you need to go and be the conduit that's going to unlock his eyes and set him up for his destiny. And so Ananias receives this word of knowledge, this information, finds Paul where the vision said he would be, prays for him. The Bible says something like scales fell from Paul's eye and then he went out and preached the gospel and now gave us the majority of the Bible. The most influential man in all of Christianity outside of Jesus was the apostle Paul, whose destiny was set on trajectory through the obedience of a Christian who received a divine word of knowledge and acted upon that word of knowledge, even though it would have been seemingly uncomfortable. It's an incredible example of Ananias, of the word of knowledge being used in the book of Acts. Now, again, some warnings is that this gift uh, has the ability to make someone feel easily exposed. And so great caution should be used when functioning in this gift to make sure people are covered and cared for. You see, when you function in this gift, you're receiving information about somebody that you're not supposed to know. And what happens is people who function in this gift quickly start to just put things on people as they're learning and growing in their gift. I've seen it happen time and time again. They think like, I've got this gift and I've seen people walk up and just say things to people loudly and publicly that are private matters that God wants to intervene on, but because of pride and arrogance, they blurt this stuff out and the person is either exposed, embarrassed, and what could have been a moment of healing and breakthrough can quickly become a moment of pulling back and walking away. And so, you know, superheroes have this great statement, with great power comes great responsibility. It's the same as the spiritual gifts. With great power comes great responsibility. And you have a responsibility to steward the gifts that God gives you to help care for, encourage, to edify and build up the church, not expose people, embarrass people so that they know how awesome and powerful that you are. Amen? And so when you're learning to function in this gift, you will quickly realize that sometimes you might get it wrong. And usually when this happens, two things occur. 
People try to self-preserve and find a way to go, oh, that's not what I actually meant. I meant this and just keep fumbling to try and find some sort of accurate information. Anyone seen that happen before? It happens. Or some people get embarrassed and shut down. But what we have to do is give ourselves grace to grow in these giftings and give people grace to be able to give feedback into your giftings. For example, often if I'm ever receiving information, which I do get about people's lives, circumstances, or situations, especially if it's something personal or embarrassing, I give ways to help them have a way out if they don't want to talk about it or if it's not true. Because what happens is when you function in gifts from God and someone perceives you as a person of authority, they take these things on. And so we've seen it happen. It's happened at Savannah. Savannah was once in a meeting and Savannah's a very happy, healthy person. And someone learning in the gift comes over and is like, I just see darkness all over you. I see heavy depression and that this thing is happening. And she's sitting there like, you're really missing it here, right? But if she wasn't mature in the faith, then someone comes with a word from the Lord and stands over you and says, I see darkness in your life. You start to perceive things like, well, what's this darkness? Then we start to get introspective and we start to search for things that aren't even there. And so what would have been a better way to deal with that situation is if they came to her and said, hey, I just have a question. Have you been experiencing any darkness in your life or any sense of heaviness or depression or, or anything like that? And what it does, it's twofold. It gives you room to grow as you're learning your gift, number one. And number two, it gives her room to say, hey, uh, not that I know of. And what it does, it creates a safe space where you can grow in your gifting without having to try and then backtrack and not be embarrassed or ashamed. And it gives them the ability to not have things put on them that aren't even there in the first place. Because what happens is, if you're right, they're going to say, yes, how did you know that? And if you're wrong, they're going to say, I don't experience anything like that. I'm sorry. And it's a wonderful world of caring, encouraging and helping people feel loved and cared for in an environment that could be exposing or embarrassing. Amen? So with great gifts come great responsibilities. Do you receive insights, understanding, or knowledge about people's situations or spiritual matters that you couldn't have known upon your own doing? If you do find those things, there's a chance that you're functioning in the gift of the word of knowledge. Do you experience moments where you have sudden or profound understanding or revelation about a person, situation, spiritual matter or biblical truth? Then maybe you're functioning in the gift of the word of knowledge. Or do others recognize and value the knowledge or insights you provide? Do people see the gift of this gift functioning in and through your life? Have you ever had a moment where you've felt like you had a word of knowledge, you've asked somebody and it's been right and it's something you could have never known, then maybe you're functioning in this gift. Now, a quick way to make sure you're good at this gift is to ask if there's anyone in the room with a sore back. Make you feel pretty good at your job pretty quickly. So, has anyone here got a sore back? But it's an amazing gift. It really is. It's a wonderful gift. And so you should desire it, but be careful with it. Make sure you 
use it within the confounds, grow in it, find a safe place. Amen? Then number three, and what we'll finish with today, is the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is an incredible gift that God has given humanity. It is potentially one of the most controversial gifts, most abused gifts. And what happens with good things is when people misuse them, people don't want them because what's meant for good can create more bad. And because of ego, because of greed, this gift of prophecy has been used for self-gain, manipulation, control. And in doing so, many of the modern day church don't want the gift of prophecy because it's been too misused and abused and we feel like we're better and safer without it. But the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 14, verses 1, says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now, three major things I want us to know uh, that we need to distinguish between when it comes to the gift of prophecy is number one, the Old Testament prophets. The Old Testament prophets were individuals in the Old Testament who held a specific role and office in the Old Testament that they would receive authoritative infallible revelations from God, which primarily gave us the Old Testament. Now in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, there were prophets because God would speak to His people through a prophet. We don't live in those days anymore. Now we still, as you'll see in a minute, we have prophets, we still believe in prophecy, but it is not a God-Moses-mankind relationship. It's a God speaks to his people by the Spirit of God, and we have prophets and prophecy to help us along the way. So it's important to understand that there's an Old Testament prophet like that. The second is the church leadership gift of the office of a prophet. Now, this role of office of a prophet, this is what we would call a prophet, is one of the five leadership's gifts given to the church. There's the apostle, which we talked about a few weeks ago, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Now, those who hold the office of a prophet, of course, function in the gift of prophecy in a mature and high capacity, but they have the responsibility not to just function in a gifting, but to train and equip the people of God in the gift of prophecy. They also have the responsibility to bring clarity on spiritual matters for the church without things that are going on in the world around us. And they also uh, have the responsibility to prepare and encourage God's people for the future. So there's the office of the prophet that we have as a leadership role within the body of Christ that is separate from the Old Testament prophets and is not just functioning in the gift of prophecy. They have a responsibility to function in that gift in a high capacity, in a mature way, but also to help equip the people of God in the gifts of God on their life and to help bring clarity to spiritual matters to what's happening around the church body in the world. 
then we have the gift of prophecy. Now, this is important to understand, that the New Testament Bible writers, the apostles and the other early Christians who wrote books of the Bible, were functioning in the gift of prophecy when writing the New Testament portion of the Bible. They received authoritative and foundational revelations from God. They wrote the Bible. The difference between the writers of the Bible and someone who's functioning in the gift of prophecy is simple, and it's a word called infallibility. Infallibility refers to uh, the state of being completely free from error or mistake, and it implies that something is perfectly accurate, reliable, and authoritative without any room for doubt or correction. So when the Bible writers were penning the Bible by the Holy Spirit, they were functioning in the gift of prophecy in an infallible way. We believe the Bible is the verbal, plenary, inspired Word of God. That means every word, verbal, plenary, in the entire Bible was inspired by God, which means it was written by the hands of a man through the infallible inspiration and revelation of the Spirit of God. That it, the original documents are without error. That's the New Testament writers functioning in the gift of prophecy. That is not what the prophets of today function in. It's really, really important that we understand this. If there is a prophet who tells you that they are infallible, they are a liar. If you find a prophet who comes to you and says, the Lord has given me the next book of the Bible, they are a false prophet and you should run far away from them. It's called, it's the essence of being a false prophet is pretending or manipulating or tricking people into them to, for them making you think that they are without error. It's extremely important. And one of the main reasons this is important is because people have used it and we get super biblical and we say, thus saith the Lord. And the moment you drop thus saith the Lord means this is what God's saying. Old Testament prophets dropped, thus saith the Lord all the time, because they were specifically chosen by God to communicate God's messages to mankind, therefore functioning in an infallible way. But the prophets of today do not have that ability. That doesn't mean what they say is incorrect. It means that there's room for error. So people functioning in the gift of prophecy today are fallible, and that means there's a chance or that they are likely to fail or make a mistake, that they're, a, they're likely to bring human wisdom, human information with divine revelation and somehow misconstrue that either intentionally or unintentionally. And that's why the gift of prophecy today is hated by many. But we don't want to throw it out because God has given it to us as a gift. Amen? So the Am I making a little bit of sense? Okay, good. The gift of prophecy is the ability through the Holy Spirit to receive and communicate divine messages from God for the edification, for the encouragement, and for the guidance of the church 
community. Prophecy involves speaking forth the Word of God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It can include predicting future events, but its scope extends to far beyond that to speaking God's truth, to speaking biblical principles, to encouraging the church, to correcting the church, to bringing guidance to the church, and to bringing revelation to the church. To bring revelation from a prophetic sense is not to bring new revelation, but to bring revelation of that which is written in the Bible. Amen? In the book of Acts 11, we see a little story about the prophet Agabus. Has anybody ever named their child Agabus? There's a couple of biblical names that nobody wants. Judas, Delilah. Unless your name's Delilah, I apologize for saying that. Anyone named Judas? And Agabus is a good guy, but it's a funny name. In Acts chapter 11, verse 27, he says, it says, Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. And this took place in the days of Claudius. Now what's really important about Agabus is that there are some people in some camps that say the only prophets or prophecy was the apostles in the early church, but Agabus was not one of the apostles. Agabus didn't write a book of the Bible, but the infallible Word of God tells us that Agabus prophesied. He foretold of an event that happened. Prophecy is an incredible gift for helping encourage and build up the church. As a pastor and a traveling minister, I've been prophesied over many times by many different people. And to help us understand prophecy from two perspectives is important. One, that prophecy is real, that God speaks through people today, that He's gifted with divine information and revelation to help encourage you, to bring insight, to bring clarity, to foretell future events. It's real and it's available and we should not quench it. But as someone who might receive a prophetic word, there's a couple things that we need to understand to keep things safe and to keep things sound. I remember once a lady was prophesying over me and she's going for it. And she's like, I see bullet holes in your back. Which could be accurate, except it wasn't. But it could have been, so it's fine. I was listening, I had my hands in my pockets. And she says, you're not receiving. And I said, you're right, I'm not. And she's like, why? And I was like, well, because I don't think what you're saying is true. That was awkward. Can you imagine that situation? Prophetess Delilah is up there and she's telling me there's bullet holes in my back. You need to watch those people around you trying to, I'm sure it was well-intentioned. And so what do I do with prophecies that I don't like <laughs> or I don't think are true? I have a thing called the shelf. And take them and I'll put them over here. And if I realize there's bullet holes in my back, I'll go, whoops, should have been receiving. 
But it's the same as prophecies that I receive that direct my life. I take what these people, they prophesy with this gifting. And some of them are extreme. And when people prophesy, you're going to find some things resonate. And you're like, wow, that's really speaking to me. And some things you're going to be like, I don't know about this, but it's not bad. I just don't see myself joining NASA and flying to the moon. And so I do the same thing with the prophetic words that I get, get given that I like, that I feel encouraged by, or that I think, well, that's not bad, but I don't know if it's for me. I put them on the shelf. Because what happens is so many people live disappointed because a prophet gave them a word that they have not seen fulfilled. And what they do is then they blame God for this prophecy not coming true. And they walk around hurt, twisted, bitter, angry at God because this word from God was spoken over me by a prophet and I haven't seen it come to pass. You have to remember that people are fallible, which means they can and are likely to make mistakes, even well-intentioned people. And what happens is if you put it on the shelf, it sits there. And you'd be good to remember it if you can. Savannah keeps all the prophetic words that we get given. I get in trouble all the time. She's like, you didn't write it down. You didn't record it. She wants to keep it in a space so that we have reference when we see it happen in our lives. But the shelf's important because this is the reality. You do not live your life according to somebody's prophetic word. You live your life according to God's perfect word. And when you live your life according to God's perfect word, then the prophetic word can enhance and give you hope and insight into things that God might be doing in you or around you. But if that word contradicts the living word, then we have a huge problem. Some things have been prophesied from my life and I'm like, I have no idea how that's going to take place. And it sits there, but I remember it. I've had people prophesy in my life. In fact, last night, a lady prophesied into my life and it was an encouraging word. It wasn't foretelling. It wasn't some mystical moment. She had a word of God for encouragement in areas and said things that I've experienced that resonated with my soul. And I took it and I wore it and it resonated. And other words were spoken that I was like, I don't know if that's going to happen in my life, but who am I? I'm not God. I'm going to put it right here. And you know what? If that happens, I'm in because God foretold it. And if it doesn't happen, I'm fine because I'm living by the Spirit of God according to the Word of God. Amen? All that to say, a couple things around the prophetic that are super important is number one, that there should be a testing and a discernment. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 29 says, Let two or three prophets speak and let others weigh what is said. You know the best way to find out if you can't trust the prophet? is if you ask them to write it down and they won't. Because what happens is once it's written down or once there's record of it, there's accountability. And if the prophet doesn't want accountability, the prophet's got to go. Plain and simple. doesn't matter if they're accurate or not. If they don't want accountability, I don't want it. There must be a space for testing and discerning that which is spoken. I'm not saying you have to get every prophet to write everything down, but I'm saying if you have an inkling, if you're uncertain, ask them to write it down. 
And if they won't, then go on with your life following and loving Jesus. Because you don't want someone to prophesy over your life who's not willing to be accountable to what comes out of their mouth. Amen? First Thessalonians, Thessalonians, First Thessalonians. You guys need to understand something. These headset microphones pick up lifts really bad. Okay? I don't have a lift, but if I did, it would really be doing it. And sometimes I do have a, say the wrong words, that fifth. Fifth. First Thessalonians 5.19. Do not quench the spirit and do not despise prophecies. So many people sit in the box of despi- despising prophecies. It says, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. Sometimes somebody's going to prophesy. Sometimes someone's going to bring a message from the Lord. And there's this famous statement that says, chew the meat and spit out the bones. Because God can speak and a human can interrupt, but inside of that big piece of meat, there might be some bones, so get rid of them, but take on the good, what God is saying. If you are functioning the prophetic, remember to stay humble and keep yourself accountable. It's important that individuals with the gift will submit to the authority of the leadership within a local church. The sad part about that is that so many leaders have squashed the gift of prophecy. Prophets don't want to be accountable to local church anymore because they feel like they're just going to be squashed. We don't want to despise prophecy, but we test it, we keep it safe and accountable. And always remember edification and order. Prophecy should always be directed towards the edification, which means the building up and the encouragement of the church. Even if God is giving you clarity and insight into something that's coming that might not be positive, the job's not to be a gloom and doom prophecy speaking person. It's to bring clarity, to prepare God's people for what's coming, which strengthens, edifies, and encourages. Prophecy should be exercised in an orderly manner, maintaining a spirit of love within the community and ultimately to serve the body of Christ. You see, the gifts of God are not for status, they are for service. These gifts, the word of wisdom, to build the church and make it wise, Help it make wise decisions. The word of knowledge that we'd hear from God, insights to to help people unlock their hearts, their minds, to see people healed, delivered, have information given to them to help them in circumstances and the gift of prophecy. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. Let the prophets of God edify Build up the church and let them do it in a safe, accountable environment so that the body of Christ can be served and not manipulated. Because the gifts are real. And they're without repentance. Which means someone can be a Christian, receive a gift, turn and live a debaucherous life and still function in the gift. It means people can take a gift, manipulate it, twist it, and pervert it for personal gain and they're still functioning in a gift. But the way to just defeat bad, abused gifts 
is not to get rid of the gift. It's to present and train and equip those who function in the right capacity according to the Word of God. I want to tell you, the prophets have responsibility and so do mature believers to be able to take on what's spoken, put it to the side and say, God, if that's you, reveal it to me. Give me peace. Help me see it. Give me steps to take in the right direction. If you're uncertain about it, put it on the shelf. The truth is, if it is foretold by God as a genuine prophetic word, it's going to happen. The things are going to fall into place for you. You don't have to worry about it. If you're in here and you've had prophetic words spoken over your life and you're living disappointed, stop it. Go to God and say, God, I don't know if that word was from you or not but I'm going to live according to your perfect word and not according to that prophetic word. And if that prophetic word is spoken over your life and you haven't seen it fulfilled, stop feeling guilt, shame, and condemnation because of it and start trusting Jesus in your everyday walk. And if it's from God, ask Him, Lord, if this is from you, give me the steps to take to get there. Otherwise, I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other, following your word that says, love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, expand the kingdom, love the world around you, and just be a great God-fearing Christian. Amen?